uctoday.com. Hello and welcome to Out Loud. Understanding the unified communications market landscape is often a tricky business. There are realms of analytics firms and media organizations such as the team here at UC Today who are trying to gauge the market's progression across all sorts of different aspects. Earlier this year, I spoke to Ribbon Communications about some research that they had commissioned which has generated some really interesting results. So in today's episode, I am joined by Ribbon's SVP for Global Channel Marketing, John Macario, so he could give me some more detailed insights into the research's headline findings. Firstly, I wanted to understand why Ribbon go to the trouble of commissioning market research in the first place. John explained that helping its customers and partners to understand and leverage the market is crucial to Ribbon. Have a listen. We try to support our partner community as best we can. One of the ways that we can do that, we believe, is by helping them understand the dynamics of the unified communications market. So we took on a, a rather ambitious project. We uh, surveyed 4,800 decision makers at businesses in 23 countries, uh, really spanning the globe. Uh, North America, we did uh, uh, US and Canada, obviously. Um, 10 countries in uh, EMEA, uh, most of Western Europe, along with South Africa and UAE. And then uh, eight countries in, uh, in APAC. So, uh, quite an undertaking. Uh, we fielded the study in April of this year. Uh, so what we're going to talk about is is very, very fresh, kind of a, a snapshot of what the market looks like globally uh, right now. Yeah, and, and you were kind enough to share some of the sort of preliminary findings when we were at Ribbon Perspectives, and, and I thought this is going to be really interesting. So let's get John on for a, for a pod to, to talk more about it. And you were saying that the we should highlight these aren't ribbon customers. These are general decision makers within who have an interest in the unified communications industry. That's that's right. And let me give a quick shout out to uh, a research partner in this a company called Dynata. Uh, Dynata has uh, opt-in research panels around the world. So we were very specific. Uh, we wanted businesses of a certain size, uh, no fewer than five employees, all the way up to thousands of employees. And we wanted decision makers. Uh, that is decision makers around technology purchases at those companies. So no, these are not Ribbon customers. These are in fact businesses around the world. Some very tiny, uh, 10, 15 people, uh, you know, in the UAE and uh, others with uh, tens of thousands of employees. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, it's going to have given you a really good overview of of the market as it is. And John, I realise this is difficult because I've seen the well, sort of a summary of the full amount of research and it. And it was a pretty huge survey and there's lots of interesting findings. So what I was going to try to get you to do in this podcast, which was the impossible, was to sort of consolidate that down into the into the findings that you found most interesting or or surprising from the from the research. Yeah, absolutely. And I should say, Patrick, I, I can give a little bit of a longitudinal perspective here. Uh, this is a study that I've done not at this scale uh, in the past, but I have done in the past, uh, starting off initially in North America and then uh, bringing Europe into the mix. First time for Asia, but we, we can talk about some trends that, that we're seeing as well. Um, there, there were, in fact, lots of surprises. Uh, we, and as you say, we asked a wide range of questions. Um, the first thing we wanted to understand was what these businesses had for infrastructure, meaning who are they buying their voice services from? Who are they buying internet from? Are they using video conferencing? What collaboration tools are they using? And ultimately, we asked them a question about their phone system. 
Now we found in the past, if we just uh, ask a 30 person business, hey, what kind of phone system do you have? Uh, is it a PBX, is it a key system? Uh, they'll probably say, I don't know, it says uh, Mitel on, on the phone, what is that? So we've given usage-based definitions, right? If you have a PBX, you dial a digit to get out, you have a direct inward dial and so on to eliminate any confusion. So what we found uh, when we asked the question that way is we can get a very accurate answer around what kind of phone system they have. If they told us they had um, unified communications as a service or a premise-based IP PBX, whether it was managed or unmanaged or some combination of the two, we referred to them as UC adopters. If they had anything else, legacy technology, we called them non-adopters. So we took the non-adopters down one path, trying to probe for what they understood about unified communications. What would it take to get them to switch from the legacy technology to an IP-based solution? What would they look for in a service provider? Who might they buy from and so on? For the adopters, we wanted to ask the obvious questions. What did you buy? Was it a, a, a UCAS solution or a premise-based solution? Why did you go in that direction? How long ago did you buy it? Who did you buy it from? Why did you make the move? And why did you choose the service provider that you did? So we've got insights on, on both sides of the UC question. And then probably too much to cover on, on this podcast, but we also ask questions around Microsoft Teams, SIP Security, CPaaS, and, and SD-WAN. Yeah, and and we should say on the adopter, non-adopter point, John, that's a really important distinction to make, isn't it? Because effectively, customers that are already some way engaged with a sort of unified communications process in terms of consolidating their communication systems, the, the set of questions that's relevant for them, as opposed to people who might have a more traditional on-premises based systems, the, the distinction and the set of questions for, for it to be relevant is very different. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that we found is, generally speaking, the smaller the company, the less they are aware of unified communications generally. Right? One of the questions we asked the non-adopters was, what phrase comes, which of these following phrases come to mind uh, when you think of unified communications? And for the smallest companies in the survey, those with fewer than 20 employees, 60% chose the phrase, I'm unaware of unified communications. So, you know, in our business, we think, well, everyone has heard of this. Certainly this technology has been around for a while. But in point of fact, it, it, it's not a, a, a common term that small businesses think of. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's quite surprising, in fact, that, that so many might not recognize. I, I suppose they might have some understanding of what it is, but whether it comes under that, that headline banner or not. Yeah, I, I think we throw around uh, a lot of jargon in our industry. And when we're talking to each other, we all understand what it means. But when you talk to uh, uh, to, to Joe, who runs the uh, uh, the, the local uh, petrol station, uh, it may not be uh, particularly relevant to him. In terms of that non-adopt, so that was in the in the very small business section. So you, you, with companies with a few users, as you said, for example, you know, local business who might not have any real understanding of unifying different communities. They just want a phone number that rings and a phone that rings. And effectively, that's all they potentially need. Yeah, I've often I've often uh, described it in exactly that way. You know, let me tie together kind of three things that I think will begin to explain the dynamic in the market. One of the questions that we asked, in fact, the first question that we asked everyone in the study was, how does your company view technology? Do you actively invest in it? Is it strategic to you? 
uh, meaning are you an early adopter of technology? Now, we didn't use the terms early adopter, fast follower, early mainstream, and so on, but descriptors to, to get people thinking about it. Now, I fully expected that the smallest companies in the study would be more likely to be early adopters, right? They're small, they're nimble, they can do things more quickly, not a lot of bureaucracy. But in point of fact, the, the results came back exactly the opposite. The smallest companies view themselves at best as early mainstream and many of them late mainstream. The larger the company, the more likely they were to say that they were early adopters. And in fact, the largest companies, those with over a thousand employees, had the highest percentage of early adopters. So I, we, that was the first question we analyzed and I thought, well, that's interesting. Then I stepped back and, and, and thought about it a bit and realized that it actually made sense. When we were talking to a decision maker at a, a 20 or 30 person business, we're probably talking to the owner of that business. Um, and as we go up in company size, it's far more likely that we're talking to someone in the IT uh, department, a director, a vice president, a, a CIO, what have you. And, you know, you think about it. Uh, we all have friends who, who run small businesses. They don't know a lot about technology. In fact, you and I probably uh, end up getting a lot of the same questions when they have to buy a PC or, uh, for goodness sakes, they want to change their phone system. What do I do? So it began making sense. These small business owners are not technically savvy. And the second point that, that reinforces this is that we asked companies how they manage IT. Um, do they have an IT manager, meaning a single person, an IT staff, more than one person? Do they have someone on staff who does IT management as a part-time job, right? We know we've seen these folks too, right? I, I often refer to them, uh, I hope not pejoratively, as the kid in the black t-shirt running around trying to keep things together. Um, did they use a third-party company or did they simply not manage IT? And again, we found a result that I don't think is going to shock your listeners, but the numbers are very stark. Globally, only 19% of the smallest businesses, those with fewer than 20 employees, have a full-time on-site IT presence. So if you think about Joe, the guy at the petrol station or chain of petrol stations, um, who does he go to for IT advice? He's got no one. And fully one quarter to one third, depending on the country, of these small companies told us straight up, we don't manage IT. We just let things happen as they as they need to. If um, a computer breaks, we, we, we panic because we don't know what to do. Now, obviously, as you go up in company size, you get more of a full-time on-site IT presence. And then finally, if we look at IP adoption across company sizes, given that we've got uh, from the smallest companies, very non-technical savvy uh, 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 situations up to larger companies where there's a full-time IT staff really working to uh, strategically implement new technology in their business. It should come as no surprise that IP adoption is lower for smaller companies and significantly higher for larger companies. So when we look at that data globally, IP adoption for one to 20 employee companies is only 10%. So remember, when we asked the phone system question, if they told us they had UCAS, an IPPBX managed or unmanaged, or <clears throat> a combination of the two, they were the adopters. 10% in the one to 20 segment. 
from 21 to 100 employees, adoption was 23%. From 100 to 1,000 employees, 26%. And globally, for companies over 1,000 employees, it was 41%. So I, I'm curious, Patrick, you, you know, you, you've been in this business for, for a long time, not as long as me, because uh, I'm far older than you. But uh, I'm just curious, are, are you surprised by those numbers at the, the relative uh, lack of IP adoption? Yeah, I, I am slightly surprised, and that's partly one of the reasons that I wanted to get you you on for this, because, I mean, I would have expected it to, to be slightly higher, and, and it does show that there is a, there is still a huge amount of work to be done there, isn't it? Especially, as you, as you said, and effectively the, the, the graph goes up as the business size goes up in terms of adoption, there's a huge amount of work to be done in those sort of micro SMB businesses, and th there's, there's going to be a lot of business for people within the industry to assist with that, as you said, because... It, that sort of combines with the potential lack of experience or lack of specific, a specifically assigned role on site who, who's going to help a business do that. Yeah, you, you're right. And frankly, I think there's still a lot of opportunity, not just in micro business, but when you think of these hundred to thousand employee companies who have roughly 25% adoption, that's a huge market still available. And even the largest companies, the majority have not adopted. Now, you know, to, to turn to the micro businesses, the, the problem that providers are facing is they need to speak to those businesses in their language. And I'm about to tell a bad joke, so spoiler alert. Right? If you walk into a 15-person business and you start talking about SIP, they, they think you're offering them a cappuccino, right? This is not, uh, not something they understand. Now, clearly, if you walk into a 1,000-person company and you're talking to a senior director of IT, they're going to understand what you're talking about, but we really haven't messaged very well to the, to the smaller businesses. And I wouldn't, so longitudinally, let's just step back for a second. We've certainly seen upticks in adoption every time we've done this study. We've done it um, about every two years, and uh, there's now some pressure to start doing it annually, so uh, stay tuned. We may have more, more news in 2020. Um, so the uptick has been consistent, but that pattern of low adoption at the small end, higher adoption at the large end maintains. Now, I personally know of a few companies who are doing a really good job selling down at the, uh, at, in the micro business space. Right? Here in the US, it happens to be one of our partners, uh, Comcast uh, Business, who are the uh, business services arm of the, the largest uh, cable MSO in, in America, um, is doing just a fantastic job selling a product they call Business Voice Edge. And if you look at how they're positioning it, if you look at how they're selling it, there's no babble about SIP or IP or any of that. It's about, here are some things that can really help your business. Wouldn't it be cool if your mobile phone rang every time your desk phone rang so that you as a small business owner never missed a call. That's what makes sense to, to a very small business. Right? Larger businesses, it, it's clearly a different sell. It's about features, it's about productivity, uh, it's about building a business case to take up to a CFO to justify what in fact would be a fairly significant project. If you're a 5,000 person business with 50 offices, um, you, you don't cut over overnight, right? You do that in kind of a phased approach. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's about making, it's about making that discussion that discussion relevant for them. And you mentioned acronyms, which we're very guilty within the industry. And, and we all think, once you understand them, you think, oh, that makes sense. But 
to a to a small or even medium-sized business owner who might not have a specific technical resource in that space, all you effectively want to know is how that is going to affect a business process, not about the technical underlyings of, of and advantages of SIP or IP. That, that's absolutely right. So it's so interestingly, Patrick, we we um, when we asked questions of the non-adopters, one very important one was. Uh, if you were to consider changing your business communications to UC, how would each of the following factors impact your decision? And there were about 15 factors. So we're trying to get at purchase drivers. What's going to get them to buy? Would it be things like having a system that was easier to manage? Was it purely economics, right? Did they want lower recurring charges or, or lower total cost of ownership? Were, were things like service level agreements Im important to them? You know, what was it features? Did they want systems with more features? Now, obviously, this varied by, by company size, but generally speaking, what we see, and, and again, I think this is very consistent, in, in most of the, the regions, the smaller the company is, first off, the less likely they are to be able to identify exactly the thing that's going to get them to switch. But broadly speaking, it's mostly about economics right give me a good price and and again this it's not i should say it's not simply about price give me a good deal have it make sense to my business and secondly prove to me that you the provider are someone i can trust is going to provide me with reasonable service is going to back up that service as you go up in company size we, we see a distinctive shift yes economics is still important but the product itself, the feature attributes of the product, the ability to support remote workers, um, the ability to, to have integration with business systems becomes more important than even the provider. They want to know what it is I'm getting as well as who am I going to buy from. And they are much more specific. They, they, they know the reasons that, that, uh, that they're going to change. And then when, when we ask about who might you buy from? We gave them a, a, a range of provider types. Uh, and and we, we tried to cover it all, right? You, you don't always hit everybody, but um, we asked, would they buy from a, a traditional uh, phone company? And in, in um, America, that would mean, you know, AT&T and Verizon. Uh, in Europe, that would equate to the national carrier. So BT, Orange, Deutsche Telekom, and so on. Would you buy from a competitive carrier? Would you buy from a mobile carrier, a cable provider, an IT services company, and, and, and so on? And the short answer is the non-adopters have utterly no preference. Uh, I'm looking at a, a, a chart from, uh, from Germany right now, uh, which is, again, very similar to, to what we saw globally. And the, the preferences uh, ranged from at the low end uh, what what we called new communication companies, and we gave examples. So that would have been eight by eight, Ring, uh, Vonage, uh, ranged from nine percent for those companies to thirteen percent for traditional carriers. So essentially, no preference. When we asked the adopters from whom they purchased, forty percent bought from the traditional carrier. So they're going where they go, and. You know, we're, we're looking for clues in the data to try and understand that. Is it simply, I already do business with them? Is it they're rock solid? I don't understand or recognize any of the other brands and 
Um, I, I know who BT is, so I'm okay going with that. Um, hard, hard to say, or is it it's simply that the traditional phone companies have done a better job marketing and selling the product? I think it's kind of a wake-up call, right? Uh, when we talk to providers, um, you know, we're talking to, say, Gamma in the UK. Um, they're probably thinking 8x8 is a very serious competitor, and uh, Ring is in there, and what are we going to do? And, of course, we're doing battle with BT. But in point of fact, when, when we look at the data globally, uh, the, um, the over-the-top guys, so the, the Rings and Vonages and, and 8x8s, uh, when we asked the adopters who they bought from, only 5% said that they bought from that group of, of companies. Um, that, that was uh, the second smallest. The smallest were removal carriers. So when we compare the two, right, who people think they might buy from versus who they actually bought from, globally, traditional companies, uh, for traditional companies, unified uh, non-UC adopters uh, said they would choose them 21% of the time. But when it came to actual purchasing, uh, they were noted 40% of the time. So they just about doubled from what we might call mind share to market share. The, the biggest loser in, in that category was mobile providers. They had 16% mind share, but only 4% market share, which again, I think is surprising. And, and maybe again, wake up call uh, to the mobile carriers, the uh, Vodafones and, and uh, AT&T Wireless and so on uh, to, to get in this game. Uh, people would like to buy from them, but what's the issue? Do they not have uh, visibility? Do they not have uh, credibility in the business space? Or in some cases, maybe they don't even have a product. Yeah, that, that's really that particular piece is is really interesting, and and I would have thought those those figures would be dramatically different in terms of the the over the top challenges and and the tra traditional carriers that that might have provisioned business services. So, John, I there's so much in this. Is there anything else in particular you would pick out as a, a particular highlight? As I said, there's and there's absolutely loads. And 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 regardless of that. Did you draw any general conclusions? And and from a ribbon perspective, how how are you going to react to to some of the findings that you've unearthed? So um, enthusiastically is 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 the answer, and optimistically. So let me pull two data points together for you. One that we've discussed: adoption rates. Generally speaking, adoption rates are low. So let's read that positively. There's a large part of the market still available. Right, still available to providers of all shapes and sizes because those non-adopters have utterly zero preference in who they might buy from. As long as you give them the right economics and prove that you're a provider they can trust, you've got a fair shot at that business. So from a ribbon perspective, those are all our partners, traditional phone companies, competitive carriers, all of them we, we count as partners. So we feel great that there's large available market. The second point really is around enthusiasm for the solution and market. So we asked two questions back to back in the study for the non-adopters. Um, the first, so you know, as, as they went on in the study, um, they got a little bit of education about unified communications and various deployment models and what the, the benefits might be to their business. So we asked them how interested they thought their company would be in unified communications. So for the non-adopters, 51% um, of the small companies said that they were either interested, very interested, or extremely interested. 
above 20 employees, the numbers for interest ranged from 86% to 95%. So a lot of people really interested. The back-to-back question was, all right, you're interested. So when do you think your company might switch? Now, within six months, within a year, two years, three to five years, maybe never. And globally, two thirds of the non-adopters told us that they thought their company might switch within the next two years. So I see kind of a tsunami coming at us. And you know, if I have one message uh, for UC providers, it's prepare. If you're doing, you know, if you're a small provider and you're doing 20 or 30 installs a month, step back and ask yourself, are you ready to do 50 or 60? How are you going to scale? If you're a large provider doing 1,000 a month, how can you get to 2,000 to 5,000? Are you able operationally to handle the challenges that are going to come with scaling your business in that direction? And obviously, we here at Ribbon would love to help you do that. We think we can, uh, we can provide some really good solutions. Um, but whether you're a ribbon partner or, or not, I, I think there's a very active market uh, about to hit us that you, you need to prepare for and, uh, and, and service appropriately, right? Um, I, I saw a bumper sticker years ago, right? Telecom tends to go in, in, in waves. Uh, and this bumper sticker said, uh, God, uh, please give us another telecommunications boom. And this time we promise not to F it up. Um, so, so um, uh, let, let's all take heed and 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 try and uh, uh, all benefit from this wave. Yeah, well, John, that's a really positive note to end on. The, sort of the the potential boom that we could be ab- about to enter. So I realise in this sort of half an hour long podcast, it was it's virtually impossible to cover all the information that you guys are, uh, from your research partners and you guys at Ribbon have gleaned. There's there's absolutely loads in there about video conferencing and collaboration, as you said, that we haven't even touched on. If the listeners want to find out more, what's the best place, what's the best way for them to do that? Your listeners can get more information at info.rbbn.com slash uc-market-2019. They can register for the event. We'll be coming to North America soon uh, in three or four cities uh, in the US and Canada. And then in the early fall, we'll be going to uh, Asia Pacific uh, to some of the countries that we surveyed there. And then obviously, if uh, if there's uh, people who want to discuss this uh, in more detail, they can uh, reach out to us here at Ribbon. Uh, I'd encourage you to contact your local Ribbon sales rep uh, who can get the request back to my team and we can get you some data. Absolutely. Well, I'll include the, uh, the, the link to that web address as well, but I, I really do encourage uh, anyone who's interested in the UC market to have a look at this because there's there's loads of interesting results and as I said at a very high level um, that there's there's so much interesting stuff there but for the meantime John uh, I really appreciate your time thanks thanks for coming on and, and giving me some of your highlights my pleasure Patrick great to talk to you again and uh, look forward to seeing you soon it's always great to chat to John, so a big thanks to him and to Ribbon for coming onto the podcast and sharing that research with us. As John said, if you want more information on the study, which covered a wide range of market topics, you can find more on ribboncommunications.com or get in touch with their team directly or on social media. 
Also, if you want more specifics on any other areas of the general UC market, then you can find that on our website at uct.com, where we have a range of smart guides available, which break down the different aspects of the market into simple, easy to digest documents that are available completely free of charge. So check those out if you want to understand more about CPAS, UCAS, or any other area of unified communications or collaboration. That's all for today though, a big thanks for listening.